Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. on this Monday in Phoenix. John Gambadoro along with the Empire of the Suns podcasters, Kellen Olson and Kevin Zimmerman. Uh, it is a holiday and off day for the station, but uh, we've decided to give you some Suns programming coming off of the blockbuster trade in which the Suns acquired Bradley Beal from Washington. And so we are going to discuss this. I'm going to be with you from 2 to 3, and then the boys will take you for another hour and a half as we break down the Phoenix Suns' new super team. Kellen, Kevin, how are you guys? Doing great, Gamble. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be on with you guys. Great to talk some Suns basketball. I know a lot of people jonesing to hear what's going on. So let's let's get we we got a lot of topics to go over in a short amount of time. So let's just get right to it. A lot of people started asking me, "Hey, there's anything to this Bradley Beal stuff?" So obviously, I, I did what I did my thing. And on Saturday, right around one forty-five on Saturday afternoon, I was able to find out that this is real and that it is getting close. And I actually put that out there on Twitter that the reports on Beal are accurate, that the Suns are absolutely working to get him. Over the course of the next 24 hours, it became clear to me that the Suns were going to get him. And a lot of reports that were out there that Miami was interested, I was able to dispel that. Miami was not interested. They were not going to make a trade for Bradley Beal. And if they wanted to, they would have, because they had a lot more to offer, guys, than the Phoenix Suns did. If Miami's got a first-round pick this year, they got future first-round picks. So if Miami had won wanted to get Bradley Beal, they would have been able to offer a better package than what the Phoenix Suns did. Let's start right there with that. At, at what point, and I'll, I'll ask each of you, at what point did you feel like, hey, there's a chance this thing may happen? I think Gambo had really started with looking initially at the teams involved and then figuring out where Bradley Beal's contract fits in. When we talk about contracts and how large they are, Gambo, we start at, what, 20, 25, 30 million, right? And be like, this is a big contract. I don't know if you're any multiple salaries involved. Bradley Beal makes $50 million. So that makes it really complicated for teams to try and bring him in, especially with some of the tax ramifications that can come on. But ultimately, when this started to become real, Gambo, to me, is when Matt Ishbia started proving that he was a man of his word with the amount of money that he was going to spend because this was wasn't really a realistic possibility that we were discussing a couple of weeks ago or even earlier in the week when Bradley Beal was reportedly be- going to become available because the tax ramifications were just so large it didn't make any sense to do that or just in terms of going into there. But I, I do think Gambo ultimately Ishbia's willingness for the tax payments coming up was the determining factor here. Uh, absolutely. And Kevin, we had ruled out guys. You know, on my show, we had ruled out James Harden. We had ruled out Damian Lillard. We had ruled out a lot of players. We weren't able to rule out Bradley Beal. There was something different about Bradley Beal than there was with those other guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you looked at what the Wizards were expecting to get back, I mean, just the no trade clause in his contract. And again, what Kellen said about the size of that contract, I think they were bracing for it to be very underwhelming in the returns. And it just never obviously you you probably know. Uh, there wasn't much traction there. So I, I think the no trade clause really helped the Suns, obviously, and helped Bradley Bill kind of go where he really wanted to go. And, and maybe I'll throw it back to you, Gambo, here. 
what do you think Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, their role in all this is because as as we talked about with Chris Paul coming to the Suns, with KD getting his way and, and coming to the Suns, uh, Devin Booker probably had a lot to do with that. Listen, I know this. Booking KD did not think that this could get done. They were floored when it came down. I sent out a message to Kellen uh, yesterday, right around, was it about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Kellen? I was like, hey. The, That's when the- I sat up, Gambo. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, I sent out a message to Kellen, and I, I don't know, do you still have the message? I don't know, what did I say? I, said, I basically said they're going to get him, right? Five-yard line is what you said, right? I said they're at the five-yard line, and this should be done, what, within the next couple of hours? Yeah, and then within, within a half an hour, there's, there are the notifications, and, and, and we're off. Yeah, so about a half an hour before it became public, I texted Kellen, and I said, hey, this thing's almost done. They are going to get him. And I think at that point, it was like, I, at that time, I knew that the Suns were going to get him. It was Shamit Paul, some second-rounders. Didn't have the full details on it, but at that point, I knew that he was going to be a Phoenix Suns. It was about a half an hour before the news actually broke and came out. And I texted Kellen, I'm like, hey, get, get ready, because it's, it's coming down. This is going to happen. Uh, Bradley Beal's going to become a Phoenix Sun. And Kevin, one of the reasons why... And, and listen, we'll get into the Washington. I'm shocked and floored that Washington got so little for a three-time All-Star who is one of the most dynamic scorers at the two-guard spot in the league. And we'll talk about what position he could play and all of that. But a lot of this had to do with the, the simple reality is that the Suns had the ability to talk to Bradley Beal, and this is where he wanted to be. Now, he had a no-trade clause, so he definitely had a lot of leverage. But I think Washington had leverage, too, just the way the Nets could have said – could have said no to Kevin Durant, and they did last year. Washington could have done that as well. But the big thing was the Phoenix Suns have, you know, with Matt Ishbia, with Booker, with Durant, this is a place that players want to come, and Bradley Beal and his wife wanted to be here in Phoenix over anywhere else. Gambo, I'm just... I can't stop being surprised by the return here, and I want to get your thoughts just on, so for our listeners who know and listen to the show every day, they know whenever stuff like this happens, you are going around the league and getting opinions across the league, teams, front office members, players, and so on, and getting their thoughts on it. And when you look at this return that the Wizards are getting, it's Chris Paul, who is still a good point guard at this stage, but offered them pretty much nothing uh, of substance in the postseason. Landry Shamit has struggled to find a spot in the rotation for two years now, and multiple second-round picks, a couple swaps, a uh, I was surprised by this. How was the league reacting? Insane. They thought it was insane. I spoke with several teams yesterday. They thought it was just insane. They couldn't believe that Washington would not be patient. And I know the rules are going to change on July 1st, but they had leverage. Guys, they had leverage. They could have said, no, that's just, we can't make a deal. We're not getting anything back. The reality is, they're not getting anything back. They're not going to keep Chris Paul. They don't want Landry Shamit. They didn't get any first-round picks back. This is a steal. I mean, it's an absolute steal of a, of a trade for the, for the Phoenix Suns. Washington got one thing accomplished. They got off a of Bill's contract. And that was their main priority, was to get off the contract. But the reality, I mean, Kevin, the fact that the Washington Wizards could not get a good young asset, could not get a first-round pick for a guy like Bradley Beal, it's, it's insane. When you look at what happened with Utah last year and Rudy Gobert, what the Nets did with Kevin Durant. Bradley Beal, I know he's got an injury history, but this is a really, really good basketball player, and Washington really got very little in return for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming there is fear about the no-trade clause still sticking with him, the length of the contract, and, and the reasons that people thought that the Suns wouldn't even consider such a thing is because, well, even other teams that don't have three maxes already on their salary books don't want to add that contract that just 
balloons and balloons the next three years. So I think there's that. I guess I'm surprised, like you said, about why wouldn't other teams at least call? Why wouldn't other teams say, hey, what's the price? And yeah, maybe it is Bradley Beal didn't want to even consider that. But yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I think it does. When you have a new GM going in there, Michael Winger, he was with the Clippers. He heads out to Washington. He's pretty, I think, less than a month on the job, maybe, or a month. I guess he just wants to hit a hard reset and say, okay, this is a sunk cost. We'll deal with it and we'll move on and I can start building. So they're getting off the money and that's the big thing for them. But yeah, you would think that you would at least want a little yeah. bit something as far as prospects and that kind of thing. Well, what I will tell you guys, and this is this, and I don't know that if this is out there yet or not, Washington did, Washington did ask for DeAndre Ayton in the deal and the son said no. They, they, they wanted Aiton in this deal, and the Suns did not want to do it. They want to use Aiton for – look, they may keep Aiton. They may trade him. I think it's more likely they trade him. We'll go over that in a little bit. But as far as telling you what I know and what I was able to find out, Washington did want DeAndre Aiton in this deal, and the Suns – refused to put him in the deal, and then we're still able to get this deal done. I mean, that shows you how badly Kellen Washington was, how desperate Washington was to just get off of that Beal salary. That's what I couldn't get past on Saturday, Gambo, when we started hearing noise of this and you confirmed that this was indeed a real thing going on. I was like, there's no, I understand he makes a lot of money and there's a second apron coming up with punishments and teams are looking at Bradley Beal as more of a second banana as opposed to a first banana. He's a third banana now in Phoenix and you're going to have to go into that second apron, deal with some punishments and restrictions we're going to get onto later in the show, but he is still a really, really good basketball player. I learned over the course of the week, Gambo, that he's the most underrated player in the league because the way people reacted to him is yes, he's on a bad contract, but that does not have anything to do with him as a player. He is a tremendous basketball player. He's one of the 25 best 30 players in the league. So for Washington to say, yeah, we'll make this happen with Chris Paul in the deal with $30 million that they might just wind up waiving him if they can't find a third team to send him to, which is one of the things we're waiting on to develop further from this deal. I just can't stop being shocked by that. But Gambo, what this reminds me of, do you remember the Rudy Gobert trade when we were like, oh man, four first round picks? Like this is the new standard. Gambo, we're never going to see a no trade clause again, are we after this? Oh my goodness. Again, though, Kellen, Washington had the ability to say, you know what? We're going to wait it out. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to trade this guy for nothing. I I, I had teams calling me like, I can't believe what what, what the Suns just did. I had teams calling me yesterday. I could have just floored like, this is insane what Washington did. You're not supposed to give up a three-time All-Star who's not even 30 years old yet. He's still not even 30 years old and get nothing back in return. I mean, they did clear the the, the salary, and if they end up getting rid of Porzingis and Kuzma, they might be one of the five worst teams in the league next year and get a really good pick. I, I understand that. Like, if you're going to be bad, be bad. But it's incredible, like, to not get anything back. And part of that is because the Miami rumors that were out there were just false. Miami was not interested in Beal. They may have kicked the tires and had conversations, but they were never putting a package together. Because, Kevin, if, if, if the Miami Heat said, we want Bradley Beal, and Bradley Beal wanted to go there, he would be a Miami Heat. They had a lot more to offer than Phoenix did. Yeah, that is, again, to your point, it's his control and congrats to his agent and him for setting up that not only a giant contract, which, by the way, is bigger than books and KDs right now, um, but just the no trade clause gives you that entire ability to dictate where you land. And I think that is the big like takeaway from this, right, is 
man, as far as player empowerment, there's a reason he's what he is the only one in the league that has that. So I I'm with you guys on just that. That is just astounding. And I'm not surprised other teams are surprised. But yeah, it is a wonder if Washington didn't go out and at least even try to call other teams and say, hey, do you want to give us? Anything just more? wait. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm sorry, Finn. You don't have anything I want. We, we can't do a deal with you. We don't have anything we want. You, go get, go acquire some picks and give them to us, and then, then we'll talk. But I, I'm, I'm just really shocked that Washington, to me, I think they caved. I think they caved and just wanted off the salary, and they didn't really care what they got back. All right, still a lot more to come. Our reaction to the trade. Do we like it? Hey, this, the Suns also got another player in the deal we haven't talked about. And big picture, where did the Suns go from here? That's next, right here on 98.7 FM, our Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on the Arizona Sports app and 987. All right, we continue live coverage right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Me, John Gambadoro, joined by Kellen Olson and Kevin Zimmerman as we bring you extended coverage and bonus coverage. We're all supposed to be off today, but we thought we'd give all, all you fans in the Valley, you Suns fans, some, some great coverage of what happened. Now I'm going to pivot here because I know a lot of people like to tune into this show specifically for inside information and things that, that they just don't hear anywhere else. Guys, I'm going to start with this. The concept that Chris Paul didn't know about this trade is ridiculous. It's absolutely silly. He was sat down a couple of weeks ago and told that they were either going to waive him or trade him. He knew that. He also wasn't going to play for the Vets minimum. He had told the Suns that. He was not going to play for the Vets minimum. So Chris was trying to force the Suns to play and pay him at the $30 million. But to think that Chris Paul did not know about this is just ridiculous. His agent knew about it. Everybody knew there were talks with Washington going on. And, and so I find that unreal. I mean, and some of the stuff coming out there, this Isaiah, because Chris is mentioning Isaiah Thomas. It was the owner. It was James Jones. It was Vogel. Those people met with Beal. Isaiah Thomas wasn't part of that deal. He didn't go meet with them. So I don't know where Chris is going here. I don't know if Chris just has, you know, hard feelings on what happened and he wanted to stay here and now he's got to kind of scramble. Look, we owe a lot to Chris Paul here in Phoenix. We do. I mean, he took a team that was not very good, that was in the bubble and had some success with, you know, with that year with Ricky Rubio and he got him to the NBA Finals and, and got him a franchise record number of wins. And I think we owe a lot to Chris Paul. But Kellen, there's no way that Chris Paul didn't know what was going on here. He was very well informed of everything that was happening. The timing of this uh, trade, uh, Gambo, is pretty bizarre just because Chris is out on a, on a tour right now promoting his memoir that's about to come out. So he's doing all these kinds of interviews that he had lined up to promote his memoir and then all of a sudden this New York Times interview that he has to promote the memoir includes him talking about the trade and the timing of it. And, and what you're referring to is at two different points in this interview with the New York Times, he refers to Matt and Isaiah as essentially the decision makers that made this happen. He does not refer to James Jones in that stature. He doesn't refer to anyone except Ishbia, the owner, and then Isaiah Thomas, who, of course, doesn't have a position on the Phoenix Suns right now. And that is what your reports right now are referring to, your information. I I should phrase it as rather. Yeah. Listen, I was on ESPN radio this morning. I did the Hoops Hype podcast with Mike Scotto. Isaiah Thomas is an advisor to, you know, to... um, to Matt Ishby, he doesn't have a role with the team. He doesn't have a title with the team. He's not out there going to make – he's not making decisions on trades and stuff like that. He's an advisor. I mean, if the owner wants to bounce some – and I'm sure Tom Izzo is too, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of people have advisors that they go to and they bounce ideas off of. But he doesn't have a role with the team, and he's not making – and he wasn't there. When they met with Beal, 
it, it was it was Matt Ishbia, it was James Jones, it was Vogel, I think it was Bartlestein. They met with Beal. There was no Isaiah Thomas there. But really silly to think that he wasn't informed. Um, the thing that's interesting to me, Kevin, is that I is that Chris Paul did tell the Suns that he wasn't going to play for the Vets minimum. He did not want to come back and play for the Vets minimum. Yeah, and that's fair on him. I mean, we. I guess to go back to whether he knew or not, I mean, Chris Haynes reported about a few weeks ago that, you know, they would release him. And then there was additional reporting by you and others about how they were just mulling the situation because they didn't have to act until June 28th. 28th. Yeah. So so that I think it was very public that he was, you know, his tenure might come to an end. So I don't think he was caught by surprise. But I do just like watching him on Good Morning America today. Like Michael Strahan had to ask the question. And I'm sure Chris... You could just tell on his face. He did not want to talk about it. He probably wanted to run it back with this team. I mean, I'm sure he still has sure. a good relationship with Book and all that. And now, like, look, I, I completely get not wanting to play for the Washington Wizards if I'm Chris Paul. His family's in L.A. So for me, I, I think he's probably just not very happy about this. But I, maybe we talk about it down the road. But there will be landing spots, possibilities where he will be on the West Coast, could play for contenders probably. No, Chris didn't want to go to Washington. And his agent didn't want him to go to Washington. And they'll probably waive him and stuff like that and, you know, let him go wherever he wants to go. But um, again, I I hope it's not an ugly ending because I think that, you know, Chris did a lot of good things for the Suns organization. And I think we got to respect that out of him. And um, but he, you know, he definitely wanted to control it a little bit here and he wanted to come back and he wanted to come back at the 30 million. Uh, But the Haynes report ended up being wrong. But, you know, like we said, that it was incorrect. Haynes said that he was told he's going to be waived. He wasn't waived. He was traded. So that report that was out there that Chris Paul was told he's going to be waived and that he is going to be waived didn't happen. The Suns never waived Chris Paul. Didn't happen. So that report was incorrect. Let's talk about the deal. Colin, I'll start with you. I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer. I read your column on ArizonaSports.com. It was fantastic. I love the little clip you put in there with Bobby Marks. I've been speaking with Bobby off and on the last couple of days going over you know, all of these scenarios, too. Um, but just initial thoughts on this trade and how big of a win it is for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it's, it's huge. They have the most offensive firepower in the league, and this is one of the all-time rosters that we've seen before a season in terms of firepower just going back in the history of the league because the amount of skill and talent that is required to play in today's NBA as opposed to 25, 50 years ago. It's not really comparable with how prevalent and relevant the the three-point shot is. If you're looking back to 2018 and you're looking across the last five seasons combined and you're looking at who the top scorers in the league have been, three guys in the top ten, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. There's no other team that comes close to even having that. And the only other team that has three other guys that rank highly in that sort of regard, you're going with New Orleans. Zion Williamson in 12th, Ingram in 23rd, and McCollum in 28th. So those three guys are outside the top 10 Gambo and the Suns have three guys in the top 10. We saw this effect that Kevin Durant had. We had never seen Devin Booker get these kinds of quality looks in his career ever. Can you imagine what Bradley Beal is going to do to that as well? We're talking about another fellow three level scorer, another really good shooter, another guy who can generate rim per- pressure. You remember how much we talked about free throws, Gambo? is another guy that gets to the line. They are just going to be absolutely lethal offensively, and I think the big question now is exactly who handles the ball, who's the point guard, all that kind of stuff. I understand the concerns there, or or more so the question, I I should phrase it as, but the amount of offensive firepower and how much playmaking these three are capable of to set up their teammates as well is just worth it. There is no team that is going to be able to guard them, Gambo. They've got no shot. 
No, and Kevin, I'll tell you, it doesn't really matter. Both guys can handle the ball. I mean, in, Kel- in Kellen's article, you know, he broke, he talked about how good Book was, you know, when, when he had to run the point. Um, but there's no question, Beal can handle the ball too. Now, neither one of them are, you know, your traditional point guards, but both guys, and Beal in Washington, he had to handle the ball a lot without a true point guard. So I don't think that there's any concern here at all that the Suns are, not, you know, that the Suns are going to struggle at the point guards, but they got two guys that may not be your ideal point guards, but both guys have handled the ball before and they can do the job and you throw Kevin Durant in there and I think that you have three guys who can initiate offense right and I go back in this trade and as good as I think Bradley Beal is despite the injuries and all that I go back to the Denver series when Chris Paul went out and I told Kellen on our podcast like I think the offense was operating like maybe the smoothest I've seen in a long time with book running point yep And, and to me I'm sure the Suns looked at that and said maybe he's a point guard. Maybe he can take it to another level. And I think that's a huge part of this, right? Is Book can take it to another level. He can dictate pace. He can dictate offense. He can point guys around the court. Like Kellen would say, it's like Peyton and Manning, the offense. (laughs) Um, So I think they look at that in that series. And there were other examples throughout the season and even past few years. And it's like, I I think that's a huge part of this deal. And maybe there are defensive issues with how... matchups happen if book has to defend point guards more that kind of thing but from an offensive standpoint it comes down to look would you rather try with all these financial restrictions to build a team around kevin durant and devin booker or do you rather with all these restrictions try to build around kevin durant devin booker and bradley bill and i think that's what they're kind of looking at right now yeah absolutely and we'll talk a little bit about what players they can add now because their their options are very very limited uh what does this mean for deandre ayton what does it mean for cp3 and where he may go next we'll give you a latest all the information we have right here next on 98.7 fm arizona sports station arizona sports on the arizona sports app and 98.7 hi welcome back to the show john gambadoro kellen olson kevin zimmerman we are giving you some uh, extended suns coverage following the trade yesterday in which phoenix acquired three-time all-star guard bradley beal from washington chris paul going out landry shaman going out second round picks going out the Suns actually got back a, a halfway decent player. Let me start with this. Callan Jordan Goodwin. I, I, you know, I, I, I've asked around a couple, to a few people around the league that I know and trust, executives, hey, solid player, not overly exciting, but absolutely can contribute. Here's a guy that can come in, gives him another guard, another player, young player. It's, it, this is the type of guy that you, you were looking for the Suns to get, some younger players. And he actually, actually played quite a lot of minutes for them when he was, uh, when he was playing. Yeah, Gambo, you and, and Suns fans listening will remember the, those dog days five to seven years ago when we would see someone come through the Suns who, who knew how to play. We were watching 2025 win teams, sure, but when you would see someone who came in and knew how to play, it was just so apparent because so many of the guys didn't, right? Like when we would see Rashawn Holmes, we were like, that guy's going to have a future in the league. He's going to be around a pretty long time. Like there are a handful of names that came through the Suns over those four to five years, and I'm comparing that and bringing that up to Jordan Goodwin because Washington is in a similar position right now where they're one of the worst teams in the league. They're cycling through all these guys on two ways and such. And Jordan Goodwin is a guy on a two way who comes in and shows an immediate feel for defending. He is a physical 
rough, just disruptive defender, Gabo. He gets his hands on everything. I was watching film of him earlier this morning, and he is absolutely a guy that factors in in terms of us talking about a potential rotation. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, of course, and talk about this guy like he's going to play 20 to 25 minutes per game. We need to see how he looks on the team. But if you're looking at the role players and what you're trying to build around this team, Gambo, with Vogel in charge especially, you want versatile, scrappy defenders, and he absolutely fits the builder. I'm very surprised they got him included in the deal as well. He's a real player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely. And, you know, you look at the, the big question now is DeAndre Ayton. And, and Kevin, I think that I, I still think the Suns will explore every option to trade him. I think that that's going to happen. Whether they do it or not, I, I can't say 100%, but I think that they will explore the options to trade him because they still have a problem with, with depth on this roster. Yeah, and, you know, you add the Jordan Goodwin, that's a, a, a basically a roster filler on a very small contract, a guy you can develop maybe, but that's back end. And you do need rotation guys still. And campaigns still on the team. They can maybe resign Jock um, and Torrey Craig on a little larger contracts. But they, they need to find a little depth here. And, and with DA, I think it's interesting. You, you brought up that the Washington Wizards asked for him, um, and they didn't want to give him, throw him in that deal for Beal. And... That's an interesting point where they're going to try to get some, you know, you can get two rotation players. I believe with the second apron, they can't really take back more money. So they're limited even more so after this deal. But definitely with DA, um, they're sitting on it. And I I think it's fine to sit on it for now, at least. And and maybe I I was of the opinion, maybe by the trade deadline, even I I think Kellen has a different opinion on that and they need to move on. But yeah, I, I think it's a good move just to see what you can get for him. I think, you know, next in the second apron next year, 24-25, they are allowed, the Suns are allowed to take back multiple players for Aiton. They just can't aggregate DA with other salary. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. They can't aggregate him with other salary, but they can take back multiple players. But again, I think that, you know, Kellen, there still is a depth issue here. There's a, there is a major depth issue on, uh, you know, once you get past your top three guys, if Aiton's not here, who's your four? Who's your five? Who's your six? Who's your seven? Who's your eight? Denver won a championship with incredible depth outside their top two guys. Can Phoenix get there without trading DeAndre Aiton? That's the question they have to ask themselves. And the reason we have a show today, quite honestly, Gambo, is because you look at Denver and you look at Miami and you look at all these teams, with Denver specifically with guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Aaron Gordon that they added on the trade market. If the Suns were capable of trading for those guys, we wouldn't have been talking about a Bradley Beal trade. We just wouldn't have, but the Suns were in a compromising position in a position where they had limited maneuverability. We were talking about it for weeks, months even, just with the options and limited ones that they had with Chris Paul, with DeAndre Aiden. We were talking about waving and stretching, looking at the mid-level, but you can have a list of three guys you like on the non-taxpayer mid-level at $12 million a year, and then you can go 0 for 3, and you can strike out, and then you have to use that money elsewhere. Trading is more of a guarantee, but that's harder to do, especially with Chris, but also DeAndre. We don't, just don't really know what his value is at this time either, but the bottom line is you still have to get some sort of depth in here. You've got Booker, you've got Beal, you've got Durant, and then from there, it's just a matter of adding what you can around them. I just don't see, even if you are as optimistic about DeAndre as possible and believe that Vogel is going to turn him around, I just don't know how you can look at this roster and say that they can get by without trading him if you can get two or three players for him that could factor into your rotation because that's just what you need at this point. The veterans minimum is not going to be enough. You're going to be able to probably get some steals there because of the team that you have and and the franchise that they've become. But the bottom line is that that trade is, is still something that we're looking at after the Beal trade for sure. 
Yeah, Kevin, I've, I've reported some of the teams that are not interested in DeAndre, and I think the last one I did was Portland, but I, I do expect that there is going to be interest in him. Now, other teams may target some other guys first, and if they're able to get those guys, then they, they won't pivot to DA, but every team's got a plan, a plan A, B, C, D, and hey, DeAndre Ayton may not be te- you know some team's priority, but if they don't get some of the guys that they want, I am certain that there are teams that are going to pivot and inquire about trading for DeAndre Ayton. There's a reason the Pacers went after him last summer, um, and and I know he didn't de- help his stock very much with how he played in the regular season, the postseason, and again, like playing Jokic, uh, Jokic ran over a lot of good centers in that run through the and winning the title. So I I get it, and I, I think there's still a reason to believe Da has value in this league. I, I keep looking at teams like San Antonio, honestly, because those are teams where it's like, yes, maybe he makes a little too much money, but if you have Wembenyama coming in with the number one pick and somehow you want to put Da next to him in some fashion, I don't know how that trade structure would look, but that's the type of team where I could say, hey, like take a flyer on the guy. You you give yourself basically an anchor on defense pop would work with him i don't know how that would go but those are the teams i really like as far as taking a risk on him yeah and kellen i've spoken with some teams that said the suns could just trade deandre eight into somebody's cap space it's unlikely to happen but if they did want to get off of 30 million dollars they would be able to find a team that's you know that's that's under the cap that that you could trade them for nothing and that might then create some of the mechanisms that they need to get players but the best way is still to find somebody that wants to trade for DeAndre in which they can get back two or three players that could be the depth that they need in that five, six, seven, eight spot. Yeah, the the team that we hypothesized on ArizonaSports.com and I believe on Friday's show Gamble, that, that show feels like 15 years ago at this point with how much happened this weekend. But <laughs> we looked at San Antonio, right? Because there was reporting out there from Jake Fisher that San Antonio was potentially looking at some starting centers. Victor Wembanyama, the number one overall pick that is about to be made by San Antonio, is seven foot four and he is best at center. But he's 19 years old right now, Gamble. You don't want him taking a beating while he's putting on muscle. So if you bring right. in someone like DeAndre to do the dirty work for three or four years while Wembanyama fills out his body, you could go back to the glory days of Duncan and Robinson. That's a very, 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 very very high bar to be clear, but you can have the Twin Towers 2.0 and some facets there and, and San Antonio could take him on for nothing. They could just get him straight up for nothing if, if that's what it ultimately comes down to. If the Suns decide we need to move on from DeAndre, no matter how necessary it is, we, we need to declare that it is and in that case, you just get the money for him and we've just seen this happen. I don't want to act like it's completely unlikely because guess what? The Wizards just salary dumped a Bradley Beal. We just saw this, so I'm not ruling anything out, but without a doubt, Gamble, the best option is you find a trade partner for him that includes those two to three players because as the years go on here, Gamble, the next two to three years, it's going to be more and more difficult to acquire players, so they really have to nail this last like really big trade that they could have on the horizon for the next two to three years yeah. if it is indeed DeAndre getting moved. Kevin, do we do we worry where Chris Paul goes? Are we worried that he can go to the Lakers and help them surpass the Suns or the Clippers and surpass the Suns? One one player told me he, he wouldn't be surprised if he went to New York. Sounds crazy to me since his family's in L.A., but are we concerned at all where Chris Paul ends up? I mean, from, for the sake of wanting to see him go out on a high note, I, I think that matters as a basketball fan. But to me, I, this is a cliche, but... You don't worry about other teams. I mean, the Suns are going to be what they are. Um, I definitely think the two LA teams are in play, and I think for good reason. I think they can build quality contenders. Ty Lue's, uh, as far as we know, still going back there to the Clippers, and maybe if they have a healthy run, um, Chris Paul can definitely help them out. So 
I, I I would be surprised if he wasn't with one of those two teams, I guess. I, I've seen things about Golden State. I don't know how realistic that is, especially if he wants to get more than the Vets minimum. But uh, he's going to have an interesting free agency just from the standpoint of what teams will pay him because it, it might be tough for him, honestly. He certainly doesn't want to play for Washington, and I think uh, I think him and his agent made that very clear when this trade was going down that they had no interest to uh, for playing for Washington. Chris wanted to stay here, and it just didn't work out. And, and Kellen, that's the thing. It's just I, I don't know that that fit when you added Dur- once you added Durant. I don't know that the Chris Paul fit with Booker and Durant was as good as the Chris Paul fit was when they didn't have Kevin Durant. The thing about versatility, Gamble, here to briefly mention the Arizona Cardinals is just because Isaiah Simmons can play linebacker doesn't mean he should move away from playing safety. Just because Hassan Reddick can play inside linebacker doesn't mean he shouldn't play pass rusher. And just because Chris Paul theoretically is a good fit off the ball doesn't mean you should take him off the ball. Now, would I rather have Kevin Durant on the ball or Chris Paul on the ball? I'd rather have Kevin Durant. But with that being said, I think we get into a trick oftentimes of looking at versatility and looking at the adaptability of players and looking at that as a plus, which it certainly is, but at the same time, you need to maximize the value you get out of each guy. And the bottom line is, if you don't have Chris Paul on the ball the majority of the time he's on the floor, you're not getting the right value out of him. And to loop it back into the trade gambo, they're going to have to nail this trio, this hydra of three dynamite scores. They're going to have to balance each other out effectively, get each other touches. And hey, Gambo, that's why you pay Kevin Young a whole lot of money. Absolutely. And how do they do that? How do they balance the roster out with quality defensive oriented players that can that can help the the core three right now we'll talk about that next on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports the local sports leader on the arizona sports app and 98 7 all right, thanks for tuning in. This is going to be my last segment. Then Kellen, uh, Kellen Olson and Kevin Zimmerman will take you for another hour and a half and continue to talk about this Bradley Beal trade to the Phoenix Suns, what it means for Phoenix. Glad uh, you could all could tune in on this day. We wanted to make sure that you got some Suns coverage on a on a day that we were off, a holiday, just so uh, the people driving around and excited about the Suns getting Bradley Beal and wanting to know what was really going on, uh, they could hear from us. So we decided to turn the mics on and uh, give you guys a little bit of Suns coverage today on our our day off. So uh, glad to be here for all you listeners out there and, and hope you're enjoying the show. Let's talk about what this means for the roster and the future. Callum, we'll start with the early birds rights. Uh, they want Landale back, and I believe they want Tory Craig back. I think they can get Landale back. I'd be a little bit worried about Tory because I'm sure Monty wants him in Detroit, and I'm sure other teams that need wings are going to look at Tory Craig. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up and where to start the conversation, Gambo, because something for people to understand is we talk about, oh, just go get a 3 and D guy and you're perfect. Uh, 3 and D guys don't become available. You, have, you usually have to trade for them. Them coming up in free agency is rare, and if one comes up in free agency, get ready to pay him $15, $20, 25000000 million. Even after, fi- after the finals that Max Struess had, Gambo, I still think he's going to get at least $15 million a year, if not more. So you're not really looking at those guys specifically, and the early bird rights are important to bring up here. I know that that's a... A, a term that not many listeners are familiar with, but essentially what it means is the Suns can pay their own upcoming free agents more money than other people. It's basically like the, the one, two, three of it. So there are four guys. There's Darius Baisley, who's also restri- restricted free agent. That's the same exact thing for Jock Landale. And then they have two unrestricted free agents who are both, ha- they both have bird rights on. That's Tory Craig and that's Bismack Biombo. I could honestly see all four guys coming back, Gambo. I think that Craig and Landale are the two that they will prioritize the most. But when you're looking at the addition 
addition of Jordan Goodwin, when you're looking at potentially Ish Wainwright coming back on that option, you're looking for those versatile defenders. Josh Akogi is a fellow unrestricted free agent. They do not have bird rights on it. And he's a guy that could get a little bit of money, more than the minimum at least. So he's definitely a name to keep an eye on, but so are the other ones that you mentioned as well. Kevin, one of the good things out there is that, you know, one, one of the worst signings in, in the NBA is always the mid-level exception. You know, you get guys that, that want more than the vet's minimum, but are probably only worth the vet's minimum. And a lot of teams overpaid or a lot of it is. It's, it's truly one of the worst signings out there is the mid-level. Sometimes teams hit, but a lot of times they really fail. And there's a lot of veteran minimum guys that are actually better than the mid-level exception guys. Good news for the Suns because they're going to have to fill this roster with a lot of veteran minimum type players. I believe it's going to have to be seven or eight players at this point half the roster and of course you can buy in maybe to the second round and pick up a few more that's why Jordan Goodwin in this trade and Isaiah Todd who was reportedly you know added to this today um, those guys are bodies again that's important to just fill out a roster but they might have to go seven eight deep as far as vets minimum contracts and I guess the big thing about mid-levels is, look, Bruce Brown was great for the Nuggets. That was a huge thing for them to get to the title this year. But that's in this weird zone where it's not quite, you know, Mikel Bridges is on a great contract, $20 million per year, for example. But there's just a steep drop-off, and it's just tough to guess who's going to be worth money, worth that mid-level versus a vet minimum guy who's going to contribute. So... You know, maybe that's how the Suns are probably looking at this is, again, Bradley Beal is going to cost them a lot of money. They have their stars, um, but maybe they're just like, hey, we have confidence in, you know, other guys wanting to join this crew, guys who want to ring chase, if you want to call it that, on vet minimum contracts. And sure. look, the, the owner has definitely showed that it's a good place to be. He's going to spend money. He's going to commit to the right things. Um, you have three stars again. There, there's not a lot that other teams can say, hey, we have better deals. You might play more like a lot of vet minimum guys are going to play a lot on this team. And that's probably really appealing to free agents. No, I think that's a good point. And Callan, listen, I've been in this market for 27, 28 years. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever seen an owner more committed to winning than Matt Ishbia with what he's done with this organization. I do think there's going to be a lot of players out there, veteran minimum types that are going to look at the Phoenix Suns. I want to play for them. I mean, that that owner's committed to winning. That team's committed to winning. I want to play with Book and KD and Beal. I got a real chance to win a championship Phoenix. Plus, the weather's beautiful here. The organization's first class. The practice facility is amazing, but I think just the commitment that Matt Ishbia has shown is going to have a lot of players looking at the Phoenix Suns and saying, I want to play there. Yeah, with everything we just rolled through, it kind of just reminds me of the simple phrase of what's not to like. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I was a guy on the veterans minimum, what would not be appealing to me? I guess it would be if I was more of a score, I wouldn't have the ball in my hands as much. But if you want to come here, one, win a championship. If two, you want to have a significant role, you're going to have a chance. Because the thing is, even if they fill out with some guys that are more known and are hotter commodities that in the four, five, six, seven, eight range, those guys at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 are going to be able to compete for playing time still. There's not going to be this huge gap between those players. So it's going to be an extremely appealing place for guys on the veterans minimum to come. There might be guys, Gambo, who get offered that biannual we talked about or even that taxpayer mid-level exception around four and a half to five million dollars and take less than that. Cut that in half to come here just because they know they're going to have playing time and they know they're going to be on one of the best teams in the league. And I think that's just going to be very appealing to them. And the Ishbia point has to be made over and over again, Gambo, because earlier in the segment, we just kind of, I kind of brushed by it a bit, but yeah, they could give Landell like a, a fair chunk of money. Yeah, they could give Tory Craig a, f- a fair chunk of money. Guess what that does? Inflates the tax bill even further, but the owner 
doesn't care. <laughs> like he just he doesn't care. It's an incredible gamble. I can't get past it. It, it, and you know how this goes. I mean, at one point it's a dollar fifty per dollar, then two dollars per dollar, and then two fifty per dollar, and three dollars per dollar. And the more you go up, the more they start charging you to wear a player for ten million may end up costing you thirty million. So that's that that's crazy. Kevin, let's talk about what they need. If they keep DeAndre Ayton, I think they focus on wings. If they trade DeAndre Ayton, it may depend on on, on what they get back. But they made they made it a center. But when you start to look at the veteran minimums that could be available to them, those type of players, I think it really depends on what happens with Aiden to see what they're going to need. Yeah, and I guess we can also circle back to say, okay, they, they might want real point guards just to give Book a little some help. Um, but yeah, I think it's all about wings at this point. I mean, Torrey Craig, Josh Okogie, those are guys that, again, if you bring those guys back, that's continuity, and I think that wouldn't be necessarily bad. Um, I, I don't know what else on the market would be that's similar to those guys, but they have proven that they're valuable rotation players. So when we think about how to fill out all these roster spots, I think it is important to remember that there are a lot of guys who could come back and, and that's going to bring um, just continuity again with book and KD. And to me, that's a big deal because you're going to start from scratch with Frank Vogel. I get that, but just familiarity guys who've been around the practice facility who have fought with alongside book and KD in the past year, that that's going to be huge. So I, I would be shocked if all those guys, you know, aren't under consideration right now. All right, give me, give me a final thought here, each one of you guys. How much closer to the Denver Nuggets or the Phoenix Suns right now? A lot closer than I would have expected them to be. I think that both of these teams, Gambo, we need to see what they look like in four weeks, and that includes Denver, who has to retain Bruce Brown. So I think that both of these teams, especially Phoenix, we're going to have a better idea. Everyone's talking about their depth, Gambo. We don't even know what their depth is going to look like, look, going to look like, right, for another three or four weeks. Not we have to now. wait and see. But I think in terms of the steps you're talking about, they took a huge step forward in becoming, again, a prominent figure in the West. Kevin, did they catch Denver? I don't think they caught Denver, but it, yeah, they they were there with Denver to some degree. I know saying they lost in six games isn't the most confident thing to say about this team, but I, I thought there were good signs there with Book and Katie and how they worked. Um, if you add Brad Beal to that, I, I think it makes you better. I, I don't think that it's going to take a step back. So it, it's just going to be about building the right pieces, constructing with those vet minimum contracts. And yeah, I... I I don't think that this is overhyped. Like, I don't think there's a reason that we shouldn't say Sports Center is paying attention to the Phoenix Suns right now. I think that's very valid, and they're going to bring fans, like, go look at, like, our website. Like, all of this is just a wild news cycle on a long weekend. We're here and on a day I encourage off. everybody to go to the website. Tremendous articles and resources out there for you to read up on at ArizonaSports.com. I think the Suns have closed the gap on the Nuggets. I think it's going to depend on what they get, you know, to, to add to their depth to see if they can get by Denver. But I think it's a lot closer now. All right, that's going to do it for my portion of the show. I enjoyed uh, talking Suns with you guys for the last hour. I'm going to leave it up to you, Kellen and Kevin, to take it home the rest of the way for the next hour and a half. So for those listening, you'll continue to get Suns coverage right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.